Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us dealing with a loved one with memory loss. So most of you know I have a grandmother that will be 100 in three weeks from today. This is March 7th, 2018. And a few years ago, my aunt was very tired of being her primary caregiver in relations to bringing her food. Uh, My aunt would bring leftovers, and she was just getting tired of that being her sole responsibility. So my dad suggested that my grandmother call Meals on Wheels and get them set up so she could have regular meals and give my aunt a break. Unfortunately, Grandma thought that uh, Meals on Wheels was a charity, and she didn't qualify for a charity, and that was the end of that discussion. So... I don't know a lot about Meals on Wheels, and I have a friend who does. So with me today is Nancy Ranieri, and what exactly is your title? I am actually the program manager for the Meals on Wheels program. Awesome. So can you explain the whole program to uh, to me the way somebody should have explained it to my grandmother? Of course. <laughs> so the Meals on Wheels program is uh, home-delivered meals, Um, In our area, it is one meal a day. It is run through the county. Um, Most of the funding, 46% of our funding, is federal funding. So each county operates their program a little bit differently. In Contra Costa County, as I said, it's one meal a day. It's a hot meal that's delivered at noon. It's one-third of the daily nutritional value for seniors. Um, It is delivered fresh. It's made fresh every morning and delivered by volunteers. We do ask for a contribution. We send a contribution reminder out each month. It's a donation-based program, so we accept whatever that individual feels that they can afford or whatever family members can send to us. Um, Anyone can refer an individual to our program, and we will contact that individual and get the details that we need to set up the delivery. So family members can do a referral. Individuals can call for themselves. We often get referrals from hospitals, um, discharge planners, uh, rehab facilities, and adult protective services as well if somebody's really um, in need. Um, so I know a lot of times there's a waiting list. So why, why is there a waiting list? There's a waiting list mostly because we have a limited number of people we can serve because we have to keep the meals at a safe temperature. So it's all about that safety factor. Um, we do have an alternate program in our area where we deliver frozen meals one day a week if someone's on the waiting list and we have have the frozen meal delivery available so we can put people on at least get the food. The thing that doesn't do is give them that social interaction every day that the home visit does. So our volunteers are trained as drivers to deliver the meal, make sure they're getting the correct diet because we do have an op- a choice of diet. And they also are trained to do a daily um, welfare check. So it's minimal, but it is someone that's touching base. So for somebody like you, if you can't be at Nana's every day to check in on her, that's where we come in. So we call the families if there's any change in their condition that we notice, they report anything to us, um, they visibly have any changes, and sometimes it'll be bruising, it'll be someone that's not feeling well. Um, Maybe they've gone from being very clean and tidy looking to suddenly not being able to keep up with themselves. So we can alert the families even when they're not close by for 
situations like that that change. So that's fantastic. I didn't know that either. And I know that social interaction is very important for seniors, especially seniors who want to age in place like my grandmother. Um, what other aspects of the program are, you know, should we be aware of? Well, before the individuals can't um, get out any longer, we do have a social program where they come into the senior centers and have a meal for the cost of just a donation. Again, usually they ask about $2 if they can. It's called the CC Cafe, and they're available at most of the senior centers in Contra Costa County. Um, they deliver this. It's the same meal that we provide, but it comes um, in bulk, so they plate it. So people have told me that it tastes better because it's on a plate. <laughs> Ours is in a tray that has to be delivered. So some of our people actually will take it from the tray and put it on a plate, and then it it tastes better to them. It feels more like that that meal. But that the Senior Center Cafe, if they can get there, they get all the social interaction where they're not eating alone. Um, they have entertainment that comes in. They have different um, special days. So St. Patrick's Day is coming, and all the senior centers will have that. But our program cuts in where the people can no longer get out. Maybe they're no longer able to drive. They don't have transportation. So we still get that nutrition to them. And we do get that little bit of social interaction. The clients often connect with the drivers. And if a particular driver happens to be sick one day, we, we will get calls from our <laughs> individual saying, what happened to our dry, our Wednesday driver? Where is he? We haven't seen him for a while. So they do make that connection. Often our drivers honestly go out of their way and do a lot of extra things for the individuals. So you, you find that drivers will probably really shouldn't, but they will take people to the doctor on oh. their own time sometimes. They'll make those kinds of connections. That's so awesome. It's, it's a really big support. We also have um, a couple of other programs. So we have a friendly visitor program at our organization where we match a volunteer with the senior that's homebound and isolated. And then the volunteer goes in once a week, at least for an hour or two hours and visits. And they might play cards, they might read a book, they might do some gardening, take a walk if they're able. Um, if they're so inclined and the volunteer's willing, they might go out for lunch or to the store, things like that. So it develops, again, that relationship. And we try and match with like interests. So if a senior used to be a gardener, we bring somebody in that, you know, was interested in that. Language is also another thing. So if we have a German-speaking person, like we have a lot in Walnut Creek area, we'll try and match a German-speaking volunteer. A lot of German-speaking so, people over the have, hill? We have a large, <laughs> yes, we do, and That's Russian as well. Interesting. Would not have suspected that from that town. Yes, we do. Now, back to the senior centers. Yes. Do they do the, the CC Cafe five days a week? Five or? days a week. Wow. Yeah. Monday okay. Friday, they all the seniors have to do is call the day before and order the meal. They actually have a choice because they have more options. They can bring them a salad. They can bring them a hamburger if they don't want the fixed menu. Um, and they can take that with if they if they want to. Awesome. Where our program's a little more limited because we're delivering. So right. For instance, we don't. We may not have soup on the menu because we can't deliver that very yeah, easily. Soup. We don't often get ice cream <laughs> to deliver either. But no, ice cream wouldn't be good when it's 110 degrees. Right. How they about, do have a set menu. So what the frozen pro program? What's that basically about? 
That's Nancy's husband, Tom. He's actually one of the drivers for Meals on Wheels and a fantastic guy. The Frozen program is on when someone's on the wait list, and if we can't do the hot daily delivery, we do seven frozen meals. We also bring with that a loaf of bread, a half gallon of milk, and seven servings of fruit, and we deliver that one day a week. So we take care of that if they're still able to do the microwave and, you know, cognitively can take care of that. Um, that's an option while they're waiting for the hot meal delivery. Interesting. I did not know about that part. I had a sorority sister who was obviously much older. She was on Meals on Wheels, and she loved it. And they get it five days a week. Uh, she, trying to remember, I think it was her driver, did something that so she would also have meals a little bit on the weekend. And right. We bring frozen meals for Saturday and Sunday, and we that's deliver probably them on what Friday it was. with the hot lunch. Oh, okay. And holidays as well, we bring a frozen meal. So we cover every day of the year if they need it. Wow. Um, and the frozen meals are optional if they, some people don't, you know, their families are home on the weekend or with them on the weekends, and they don't need that. So we also provide an emergency food pack that we bring out to all of our new clients that's six meals shelf-stable. And will last throughout the year, and we replace those once a year. So in case of a disaster, um, you know, maybe something simple like if our kitchen burns down and we can't make the meals, we know they've got something to take care of them for a few days anyways. It's not gourmet, but, you know. Um, And what's in those shelf-stable meals? The emergency food bag contains six packets of protein, so either tuna or chicken or a combination um, six mini cans of tomato juice, the V8 drink, a box of tra- uh, Triscuit crackers. There are six fruit servings in the form of fruit cup or applesauce, and six things of powdered milk mix, dairy milk. Definitely. It sounds like something everybody should have in their pantries for exactly. an emergency. Yeah, it even comes with silverware and napkin and mayonnaise, so you can mix that tuna up into a salad and put it on the cracker, and you're good to go. I like Triscuits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what most people like out of that is the Triscuits. But it gives them just that little security that they know if we can't get there for some reason. And things happen. You know, um, Occasionally we'll maybe be short a meal and we'll remind them that they have that emergency pack. So. And how many meals do you guys serve? <laughs> we are currently delivering about 780 meals a day. Whew. It's a lot. On a regular basis. You know, and often I'll tell the new volunteers, it's not, you're not going to maybe necessarily see that disability or that inability to function. It might be something more of a middle capacity to not be able to put the meal in the, in the oven or get it out of the oven or take it off the stove. And it's, in a lot of cases, it's a safety factor as well. People in the central part of the county waiting. So we definitely need so more drivers. We need more drivers. Yeah. We need more funding. Um, <laughs> more time in our day. Um, yeah. The stuff we all need. More money, exactly. more time. Exactly. So out here, the meals are actually prepared in Antioch. So they really are fresh. Those folks are up really early. They start work at about 3 in the morning and <laughs> get those meals out to us. Um, and then there, the other areas of the county, they're brought out by truck to us. Um, for the volunteers to pick up. Now, are they generally serving lunch or dinner or either or? It's generally considered a lunch. Um, a lot of the people, depending on what's on the menu, so if it's, say, beef stew, that might feel more like dinner. So they'll save that and microwave it. It can be microwaved in the tray that it comes in. Um, it just needs to be slitted. But they're warm, they're hot, ready to eat when they're delivered. 
And occasionally we do a cold salad plate or a sandwich plate. And actually some of those are the favorites. People like like that a lot. So They're easy. Yeah. Yeah. And then so you've got drivers. I remember that the driver spent time with my sorority sister friend. Mm-hmm. Um, is that why they only deliver about 16 That's meals? That's part of it, and part of it is that timing so the meals stay at the proper temperature so that they're safe. Yeah, they measure um, with the thermometer yes, each meal. Yeah, yeah. They keep track of them. Temperature, yeah. yeah. And, the, you know, they expect that the people receiving the meal are home because they are supposed to be homebound after all. So, um, you know, but it's a, it's a good connection. So the requirement for delivery, essentially, is they need to be homebound? They need to be homebound, not driving, and over 60. Over 60 is not too hard to get to. (laughs) Basically, the eligibility. So all ranges within that. So, you know, the 60-year-old that has knee surgery and can't drive for six weeks would be eligible. Um, We've got a 103-ish old lady that has been with us for about eight years. Wow. So um, the full range of whatever comes in between. You know, and often I'll tell the new volunteers, it's not, you're not going to maybe necessarily see that disability or that inability to function. It might be something more of a mental capacity to not be able to put the meal in the, in the oven or get it out of the oven or take it off the stove. And it's, in a lot of cases, it's a safety factor as well. That's a lot of fantastic information, but let's take a quick break and thank our sponsors. Our sponsors make it possible for you to enjoy this podcast free of charge. MBK Senior Communities is dedicated to being the preferred senior living provider in the markets they serve. They create warm, inviting living spaces in desirable locations. They offer a variety of services and programs to enrich the lives of residents and their families. And by getting to know their residents, their personal preferences, and their individual needs, MBK Senior Communities can better contribute to their well-being and provide care that's right for them. They are committed to enhancing independence and quality of life, serving others the way they prefer to be treated, and providing care that is delivered with integrity, dignity, and compassion. Currently serving the Western United States, but expanding. Why not contact your local community for a tour and see for yourself why most of their residents say they felt at home from their very first visit? You can get more information by visiting their website at mbkseniorliving.com or call 949-242-1400. You know, and often I'll tell the new volunteers it's not you're not going to maybe necessarily see that disability or that inability to function. It might be something more of, of a mental capacity to not be able to put the meal in the in the oven or get it out of the oven or take it off the stove. And it's in a lot of cases, it's a safety factor as well. In the in the oven or get it out of the oven or take it off the stove. And it's in a lot of cases, it's a safety factor as well. Yeah, I know with my mom, when she was at home, she puttered around in the kitchen a lot. And when the caregivers were there, she always wanted to help them cook, and she didn't. I remember one night, we didn't have one in the evening because my aunt was staying with her. Um, But this was an evening when I I realized that my aunt has issues. And I was very afraid to leave my aunt and my mom there alone. So I stayed and made sure that they ate because the caregiver had made the food and left it on the stove just in the pan and the stove wasn't on. But I certainly didn't want the two of them warming anything up. Um, it was definitely my mother. 
So I warmed it up and served it to them and got them settled on the couch with some TV. And I found some some sweet because my family's got a ridiculously inherited sweet tooth and meals aren't done until we've had a sweet. So I got that all situated for them. And my husband was on the phone getting the caregiver to show up. They were they were seven to three and three to 11 and 11 to seven. So we were trying to get the 11 to seven one to come in. So I had a few hours of a little nerve wracking because I'd been there all afternoon and I wanted to go home and eat dinner. The caregiver didn't make enough for three. Um, so it was, was like, yikes. Uh, but they came and the company we used had an app. So I knew when they were on their way, I knew when they got there. And, right. you know, I figured, um, and I guess one of them was still awake when they showed. I think my aunt was still awake. So, but yeah, it's like you would never have thought because my aunt is um, 14 years younger than my mom or 12, 11 years younger than my mom. So she's only in her 60s, and we weren't really sure what was wrong with her. We thought maybe she was drunk. The caregiver had taken mom and my aunt out, and then her shift was over, and the other one came in, and it was like, something is very strange here with my aunt. (laughs) And, you know, we, like, dug through her purse. She is an alcoholic. So we dug through her purse, and there was no, you know, booze bottles in there, sniffed the can of Pepsi that she was drinking, and it smelled like Pepsi, um, so I, I have learned later that she does have issues. It was kind of funny at my dad's funeral. Um, my mom's brothers who are in the middle of the four kids, the youngest brother was saying, well, you know, I guess it's just the women in our family that have mental issues. And my other uncle who is older, he went, huh? <laughs> so it was it was well, a lighthearted a moment. Yeah, no, he actually was. I don't know if he wasn't paying attention. I don't know what his issue was, but yeah, it was like it was it was a funny moment on a day, you know, that isn't too funny. But you know, I just remember just being terrified that my aunt would go in the kitchen or my mom would go in the kitchen and you know warm up the stuff that was left or throw something in the microwave that shouldn't be in the microwave and. It was a tense evening until that caregiver got there, and yeah. so we have some families that have disconnected the stove just for that reason because they can't keep them away from it and it's not safe. So they just said it doesn't work anymore, and, and that seems to be how they function. Yeah, that a, probably a, wouldn't have been too bad an idea. Not, yeah, my um, sister started making crockpot meals for my parents. They were frozen and it had instructions on it. They were for my dad. And I don't, I guess that's what they did, but he was not a great eater. Right. And so he didn't like sauces and onions and garlic. And, you know, he would have been very happy with a hamburger patty and corn or peas and mashed potatoes every night. And nothing touching on the plate? Probably not. (laughs) I don't really like my food touching either. So well, one thing with the seniors that that we find, and a lot of times this is why families call because they're not eating right because mm-hmm. they don't they lose their taste buds and they just nothing nothing tastes they lose their sense of smell, so they have no reason to to eat. There's nothing there that makes them eat, and the diseases too can take away that sense of hunger and or the sense so. of fullness yeah. too, where they eat and they will eat and then turn around and say, well, I haven't had lunch yet and want lunch, you know, just continually. So a lot of the fact that we come in with that hot meal that's already cooked, they they do get that aroma usually. And with someone there with them, they're more inclined to 
um, to actually eat. Where if they had to get up off the couch to fix something, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be worth. They just wouldn't have yeah. the energy or the interest to do it. Yeah. I know sometimes I'm hungry, and it's like that's the only reason I get up and do. It's like okay, yeah. I can't I can't sit here anymore doing whatever I'm doing because my stomach is growling so loudly. It's becoming an issue. Um, it's funny because you said, you know, they lose their sense of taste or right. I know there's residents in my mom's memory community. I swear they're, they're almost as bad as my dogs who anytime I go near the pantry, think they're getting a treat. They are all this one gal is always asking when dinner is, when is the next meal? When, and they have breakfast and I'm assuming they have a snack in the morning because they have lunch and then they have a snack and then they have dinner and they get dessert after lunch and dinner, and they have good food where my mom's at. I've had yeah. many meals with them, and even though I I recently learned that there's no salt in them, I I don't know what they're doing, but it it, it can use a tiny bit of salt, but it's not like right. super bland. It's actually really it's really good food. We don't put any salt in our meals either, um, so they're really low in in sodium, low in fat. Um, but we do have a further restricted sodium right. one for people that really need it. Um, that we have a doctor's prescription to actually put them on. So we can't just arbitrarily <laughs> do that low salt thing because it can be a fine line with, you know. And you guys serve diabetic meals too, right? We technically, we don't have a diabetic meal. We have a low sugar meal though. Okay. So diabetic's kind of a catch-all phrase, that, but it's an individual diet. So we don't ref- we don't refer to it as that. Right. But the low sugar meal is what most of our diabetic folks are on. Yeah. So we have the three options. And they get a menu, so they know it's coming every day. They can call us and cancel if they don't like what we're serving. Um, we just need to know the day before. So we have a lot of people that will call at the beginning of the month and cancel all the fish meals. Yep, that would be me. Or, you know, <laughs> or the beef or the pork. It, a lot of, you know, religious things coming into that. Oh. So, and they, they can do that because we, we just, with the numbers that we have, we can't customize it. Right. So, and it's, no vegetarian? You know, it's just that we do not do a vegetarian diet fully, but we do have some vegetarian meals. So occasionally there'll be a vegetable lasagna or something of the sort. But, but everybody gets it. Everybody gets it, yeah. Well, yeah vegetable so lasagna is good. It's very good, mm-hmm. that yeah. one. Yeah. Well, we started getting meal delivery here at home for the two of us because, one, we were wasting a lot of food because I'd plan meals and we'd have leftovers and we'd eat leftovers and then... It's like something would change, meetings would come up, whatever, clients, and stuff would just go bad. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. There's only two of us throwing this kind of food away is just stupid. So we get Blue Apron, which I love. So I can I can just see how nice it would be to have. I mean, I have to cook it, but I don't mind right. that. But it's just just knowing that it's like, you know, there's the on you know there's the protein and the veggies and usually a starch, and they're. They're really good meals, nice. so I I could I could see why having you know meals having on wheels delivered. Yeah, yeah, I mean absolutely. when you're, you know, for whatever reason not able to cook like I do right now, I think. How do they deliver it? They deliver it for a couple of days at a time, or one day every one, day. Once a week. Once a week for the week. Uh huh, and we get in a little brown paper bag is a thing that it'll whatever the meant the meal is it'll like we had um beef salsa verde beef tonight and there's there's a little paper bag that has little knickknacks and it. it's got the spices like everything you need to make the meal except a knife and water i think oh and olive oil the only things that are not in this shipment so one of the challenges i always had with dinners 
is I'd plan an entree and then halfway through making it and be like, ah, what are we doing for a vegetable? <laughs> and so we'd have like, you know, orange chicken and green beans because I hadn't planned, you know, for something that went with the, the thing. So it's really nice to have, it's all laid out. It's portion controlled, which is good. And do you get to pick mm-hmm. what you want? They have 12 meals a week and I, I think you can pick two or three and we do three and I was just telling John tonight that I would really like to um, up it to four, but I don't think four is an option because I don't think it would fit in their shipping boxes. Bring up to your, all your listeners is Meals on Wheels can always use volunteered drivers. Yes. Always. Our population is definitely aging, and I have learned, you know, visiting my mom and you know, I polish nails and do little manicures for about three or four of the ladies and there's, you know, I'm always helping doing something because I'm there and I can and, you know, they're not particular about who they ask. And so, I don't know, sometimes I've, I've had people ask me how much I charge to do the manicures. I'm like, oh, no, I just do this for my mom <laughs> and her friends. And, you know, That's I did great. learn recently that the caregivers are not allowed to trim their nails because if you nick them and right. um, I think technically I shouldn't be trimming their nails either, but they... They turn a blind eye. And the um, only person I nicked once was mom, so. That's okay then. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. like, probably not going to get in trouble for that one, so. But I polished their nails, and I've helped fix TV, you know, inputs and whatever. That's great. So, yeah. and it's, it's you, you get a lot out of it when you volunteer with seniors, you know, especially ones who aren't cognitively impaired to the point that, you know, like right. my mom is. Right. It is really great, so. If you're retired or, you know, you've got some time, definitely give it a... Give it a thought. Yeah, because a couple hours a day, one day a week. week. Well, Steve Foster and uh, Steve Steve and uh, Lou are both volunteers with our Rotary Group out here in Brentwood. And they drive one day a week? Yeah, I think Lou does a couple more. Maybe Steve does a couple more, too. Yeah, yeah. generally that's that's the commitment that we we ask. Yeah, that's that's really not a lot at all. No, no, it's three, three hours probably. Two, two and a half, lunch. Yeah. yeah, it's a lunch break. We have a few drivers that do it on their lunch break from work. Wow, that's seriously some dedicated. Of the, some of the companies yeah. actually yeah. give them time to do it. That's a company, so, yeah. you know, right. volunteering their people to, to go out and do it. And we have companies that, that, you know, drive, like you said, that, you know, just have adopted a route. And um, Rotary Clubs that will adopt, you know, we'll, we'll do this Route 7 for every Wednesday, and they just rotate their people through and... Different service groups that do that. Churches will do that for us. Um, a lot of the adult day programs drive for us, so it kind of becomes a job for those adults that are, you know, disabled, and they get that responsibility and that experience, and we get the job done. So that's a win-win for us. Yeah. So yeah. it's like I'm, so. I'm learning a lot about how getting the whole community connected to take care of each other is so important. Right. And all, like you said, all generations to the younger kids. Our, our people love what, when somebody brings their grandkids in the summertime <laughs> to see them. Because they don't, like you would see at the, at the commons, you don't, they don't see young people. Not very often, no. There's, they're just, they come at Christmas time and sing carols, and then, you know, the rest of the year, they just don't see those young folks anymore. There so. was, maybe it was over the summer. Doesn't seem like it's been that long. But there was a family with probably a two and a six-year-old. 
Mm. Um, the little one was definitely two because I asked, and I don't remember how old his brother was, but probably not older than eight. And I'm surprised he didn't get smothered by all the little yeah, ladies. Yeah, right, all the little ladies. <laughs> I, the only reason I think that he wasn't was because he was two and he was very energetic and there was a lot they of shrieking. They couldn't and, catch him. <laughs> well, there was that, but there was a lot of shrieking. And, you know, it's usually fairly quiet where mom lives. And when they had the two-year-old, it was definitely not quiet. So. Right. <laughs> but my mom loved seeing him. And, oh, sure. And yeah. she, he liked seeing the dogs that lived there. So, it was, sure. you know, it's definitely a good thing. And I know our our um, pre, when we've got a preschool that has the senior social program, they they do field trips to, you know, care communities. Right. So it's That's great, awesome. Yeah. So I really appreciate you guys talking to me yeah, tonight, of course, and giving me all the information on Meals on Wheels. And I would try to convince my grandmother to sign up, but. She's 100, so it's not going to change. Maybe not changing her method. No, I don't think she's going to change her mind. One trick we use, though, Jennifer, is if somebody's resistant, and like in your case where your aunt's providing the meal, we get them to turn it around and say, this will really help me. So if your aunt is saying, can you do this for me, then I won't be so much work for me. They're resistant because they don't want any help, but if Mm -hmm. they think they're helping that individual that's caring for them, then they sometimes are a little bit more open to it. Just just a trick. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's worth a try. Yeah, well, we got a big birthday party coming up pretty quick, so I will see if I can yeah. chat with my aunt about that. Although you said there is a waiting list, so... Well, yeah, there is, <laughs> but there's also a priority. So we yeah. look at people that live alone and what their support systems are and what their needs are, and they kind of go to the top of the list. So you never know. It changes every day. We never, we will say we've got a wait list today and tomorrow we might have spaces open. And you got, she's at Antioch, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, thank you very much. This was very useful and hopefully we'll get more drivers and we'll get more seniors who need the assistance. And and, um, I'm assuming that this is similar nationwide. It is very We are talking about our specific area. Mm -hmm. No, it is. Actually, it's an international program now. Oh, international. We had Meals on Wheels in Australia. Like I said, they're all run a little bit differently, um, but generally the the same same basics, yeah. And in in the States, they're all funded by the Older American Act, so they're all for seniors. So anybody under 60 wouldn't be eligible, but we have alternate options for them. We can refer them to, so, you know, we're kind of a one-stop shop. (laughs) We really are. We have a lot of services. I do, I do a good job. A lot of referrals that we do to other programs. So, Well, just doing this podcast, I have learned so many things about resources that are available. And that's, like I said, I'm trying to help people find out about them without having to just do hours of research. And I feel blessed because between being a Rotarian and, and being very connected to the community, I do have, I think, a little bit more resources than other people. But I'm just shocked at the stuff that I didn't know was available and, and, you know, learning things. And I do think it would be beneficial if somehow, like when my parents were referred to the senior services in our area and they didn't go, if, you know, we got to somehow connect these people to these services easier. And I hope I can be a part of that. So anyway, I appreciate it very much. I thought I knew a lot about Meals on Wheels, but during this interview, I learned I didn't know as much as I had thought. It's my hope and desire that after listening to this episode, you too realize what a benefit Meals on Wheels can be for our seniors, our loved ones, and neighbors and friends. 
If you know somebody that could benefit from their services, please urge them to sign up. And if you don't need their services and have a few hours a week that you can spare, please consider becoming a volunteer. That way more seniors can get this vital help that so many of them need. Thanks so much and I'll talk to you again next week. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today or in previous episodes as well, please go to wherever you download your podcasts from and rate and review us. This allows others to find us and allows us to share the wisdom and support we've garnered over the years. Thanks again. See you next week. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us dealing with a loved one with memory loss.